Hello, and thank you so much for joining us today. My name is Minister John Richard, and this podcast is an account of this week's Bible study. I pray that it blesses and strengthens you in Jesus' name. If you are looking for more of the Word or are searching for the notes that were used in this week's lesson, please feel free to check the links in the description. Enjoy the Bible study and be blessed. <clears throat> so, tonight for Bible study, we have something pretty special. It hit me at some point during this week, just in the midst of listening to a song, I was running errands for my grandmother, and it just kind of hit me as I was listening to, uh, to a song. It's, it's called Confident. And then on the way back home today, because today is my grandfather's birthday. Happy birthday, Pop. Uh, I was listening to In the Midst of It All by Yolanda Adams, and God just further confirmed it for me. So our topic for tonight is called CC, Confidence in Christ. Now, there are a few things I'm going to explain tonight before we hop into the lesson. First and foremost being that if you don't know what CC means, it is an email term. And whenever you get ready to send an email, it says who you want to send it to, the subject, and then it says CC and a couple of other things. Well, CC just means carbon copy. It means that you're not sending the email to that exact person, but that you want them to be in the loop. So you send them an exact copy of it or a carbon copy. Now, here's the cool thing. When we talk about carbon copy, and then having confidence in Christ. Well, we know that it is one of our main goals and the thing that we strive for most in this Christian journey is to emulate our Father, emulate our Savior, be just like Jesus. Not just because he saved us, but because if we want to actually make a difference, if we want to make a change, if we want to grow, improve, or do anything, then we should emulate the one who can do it all at the very best. So from there, <clears throat> we talk about our definitions. And these definitions for tonight are really cool. First and foremost, we'll go ahead and define what confidence is, just in case you know, you don't know. So I will put that on screen. So confidence is the feeling or belief that one can rely on someone or something, there's a firm trust there. It's also the state of feeling certain about the truth of something, or it is a feeling of self-assurance arising from one's appreciation of one's own abilities or qualities. Now, a lot of times in life, we're kind of lacking confidence in certain areas. You may have been on the job for 20 plus years, but yet you don't still feel confident, or maybe you've gone through something immeasurable in life or you've just lived a pretty long life god willing and now you you have kids you have someone who looks up to you but you don't feel as if you're worthy to mentor them because of some lack of confidence maybe you don't feel like you're up to the task maybe you don't feel like you can because you've made too many mistakes well the cool thing about confidence in christ is it has nothing to do with you but everything to do with God. So then that leads us to our second definition. And I will go ahead and put that up on screen for you guys. So our second definition is pitho, which means to persuade or to have confidence. Now the root of pitho comes from uh, pistis, which means faith. So it means to persuade or be persuaded of what is trustworthy. And when you put the two together, it means that we are being persuaded of our faith. No longer faith in self, but faith in God. And then it says at the bottom that the Lord persuades the yielded believer to be confident in his preferred will. And you can have references in Galatians 5, 10 or 2 Timothy 1, 12. And then we look at pitho, which involves obedience, but it is properly the result of God's persuasion. So what does this mean for you and for me? Well, it means that God has persuaded us according to the truth or the gospel, which is his 
unmerited grace, which is his will, which surpasses anything we can understand. And it is the greatest example of love, i.e. Jesus being on the cross to die for you and for me. So the persuasion takes place when our eyes are opened and we realize that we've been going about life all wrong. So now that we are being broken and now we are allowing the power of God to crucify this flesh so that we can be risen to actual life, not play life, not bedazzled death, but real life in Christ Jesus. And once the persuasion takes place, we now see that we have complete and utter confidence in Christ because of everything that he's already done before we knew him, everything he does as we grow in our relationship with him, and everything that's going to happen because of the relationship and, most importantly, because we know the end goal. So with all that being said, <clears throat> we will go ahead and hop into the word. We start off in Proverbs chapter 3, verses 21 through 26, and Isaiah 41, verse 10. And I will put that on screen. So to start us off, it says, My son, let them not depart from your eyes. Keep sound wisdom and discretion. So they will be life to your soul and grace to your neck. They keep you safe on your way and your feet will not stumble. You can go to bed without fear. You will lie down and sleep soundly. You need not be afraid of sudden disaster or the destruction that comes upon the wicked. For the Lord will be your confidence, firm and strong, and he will and will keep your foot from being caught in a trap. And then in Isaiah 41:10 it says, "Don't be afraid, for I am with you." Let me repeat that. Don't be afraid, for I am with you. Don't be discouraged, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will hold you up with my victorious right hand or my righteous hand, if you read the King James. So we start off here pretty powerful and pretty straightforward. We look in Proverbs, which is the book of wisdom, and we start off by saying that we're being advised strongly to keep wisdom or to keep common sense very close to heart and discernment now we've talked about wisdom and allowing wisdom to lead you which is jesus himself so if we keep wisdom sound wisdom close to us not the foolish wisdom of the world but we keep actual wisdom which is the knowledge of who god is how to use the word to actually overcome this flesh to overcome the stipulations that keep us tethered to oppression, to bondage, to spiritual slavery, to all the, the painful memories of the past, to whatever it is in your life that may try to interfere with you, to try to keep you from the, the wonderful promise that God has for your life. And most importantly, to keep you from from doubting yourself, from doubting, more importantly, what God can do in your life. So we're told to keep it close to heart, keep it real close, because when we do, when we keep Jesus close, when we continue to trust him, then what happens? Then it's it's life to the soul. It's like a, a diamond necklace just strapped around you. They're adornments. It's wonderful to have. And then as we look further into the text, not only that, but God will keep us safe on our path. We won't even stumble, which is so cool because every day we we make mistakes every day we mess up. But because we keep Jesus close and if we keep him close, then there is no stumble because of him holding us up because of the path that he's already prepared for us, because he's watching the back too. Because of all the miraculous inner workings that God performs in a day just to make sure that we're good. Not that fake smile saying I'm good, but you're depressed, but know the actual good because I have peace. Not a circumstantial moment of happiness, but of true peace, of true joy. Because it's not coming from people, from a job, 
from anything else, but it's all coming from God. So I have confidence that just like the Bible said, if I stay close to him, then I can sleep well at night. I can perform to the best of my abilities because they're no longer my abilities, but a portion of my father that he's given me to to do and say and to accomplish whatever he's tasked me with. And then in Isaiah 41, and we'll move forward. The Lord himself says, don't be afraid or fear not for I am with you. He's letting you know straight up covenant style that look, I am Yahweh me everlasting god prince of peace lord of lords king of kings i got you i'm with you i'm here to make sure that whatever you thought was gonna overtake you whatever attack that you thought the enemy was gonna get through that it can't happen because of my word not only is my word a sword but my word is a protector and not only is my word a protector but it's a watcher and not only is my word a watcher but it's a performer It does so many things to not only just get us through, but to get us over and not just to get us over, but to get us to see in life. We fight a battle and we wonder how we'll win it. But with God, we don't need to wonder how we'll fight the battle because the battle's not yours. It's the Lord's. And then when the battle's done, okay, now what? Well, guess what? God has a plan for you. And all you have to do is walk in the footsteps that he's already laid out for you. And now you're wondering, well, where am I going? Well, you know the end. We won. We win. So while you're walking down your path, you have the beautiful privilege of discovering where God is taking you step by step. And that's one of the coolest parts of the journey because he'll tell you how to end. But the fun is seeing how you get there, seeing how miraculous our Lord Jesus truly is and all the beautiful things he can do because of the confidence that we can place in him. Second Corinthians chapter three, verses one through eight and Philippians chapter four, verses 10 through 13. And the Bible says, are we starting to commend ourselves again? Or do we need, like some false teachers, letters of recommendation to you or from you? No, you are our letter of recommendation written in our hearts, recognized and read by everyone. You show that you are a letter from Christ delivered by us, written not with ink, but with the spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human hearts. Such is the confidence and steadfast reliance and absolute trust that we have through Christ toward God. Not that we are sufficiently qualified in ourselves to claim anything is coming from us, but our sufficiency and qualifications come from God. He has qualified us, making us sufficient as ministers of a new covenant of salvation through Christ, not of the letter of a written code, but of the spirit. For the letter of the law kills by revealing sin and demanding obedience, but the spirit gives life. Now, if the ministry of death engraved in letters of stone, the covenant of the law, which led to death because of sin, came with such glory and splendor that the Israelites were not able to look steadily at the face of Moses because of its glory, a brilliance that was fading. How will the ministry of the spirit, the new covenant, which allows us to be spirit filled, fail to be even more glorious and splendid? And then in Philippians four, the Bible says, how I praise the Lord that you are concerned about me again. I know that you have always been concerned for me, but you didn't have the chance to help me. Not that I was ever in need, For I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I have learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it is with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or little. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. As the Lord was leading me to put this lesson together tonight, he was really working on me and downloading so much throughout the day. 
So to the best of my abilities through Christ Jesus, allow me to convey a few things for you first and foremost. One, it's that as we've talked in the past about the the law, which is the Old Testament, it's that its purpose wasn't to save. It was to show us, to illuminate the insects in the dark that needed to be terminated. And so when the illumination happened, those of well, anyone who was willing to make a change, who was willing to trust God and follow him was like, all right, what do I do to get rid of this? So God had statutes in place. They would give sacrifices. They would perform all sorts of of prayers and fastings and different things. And it was a lot to keep up with. And each and every time one of the the, the prophets or whoever God had in charge, one of the priests to, to do the ceremonies, to, to give ritualistic sacrifices so that he could atone the sins for them. It was just a constant reminder. So they always felt guilty. They always felt bad. But as the Bible said, if that was so wonderful, if it was so glorious that they couldn't even stare at Moses, who God had touched and blessed mightily to lead the captives and set them free, then how much more so is the amazing freedom that the the new covenant, that the relationship with with Jesus, no middleman, no no prophet, no no man, no earthly priest, no tabernacle that I need to go to, but just a straight up doorway, straight to God. How much more glorious is that? So then we see where Paul talks about how he's either abound or based, he's okay. Meaning whether he has everything or he has nothing at all, he's good. Because literally, and I do mean literally, he is taking what God has has been trying to tell us the second we got into a relationship with him from Jump Street, that we can do anything through Christ Jesus who strengthens us because it's not us. We're not asked to cough up the resources. We're not asked to to let go of the past by our strength. We're not asked to grow by our power, but we're told very plainly and very lovingly and very calmly that if we have a need to just ask our father, that if we're tired and weary to come to him and he would give us rest, that if we would just learn from him because he's meek and lowly at heart, then we would find rest for our souls. And I don't know how many of y'all out there are tired. I get tired. But the fatigue that Jesus was talking about when he made the, the offer to come to him, that fatigue is the only kind of fatigue you can get when you're out there in the world instead of in Christ. Because your soul is vexed. Your soul is weary. It's crushed. But when you come to the other side of the tracks, when you come to the bright side where Jesus is, when he reaches over and pulls you over to the other side, then you now have confidence that nothing ever again in life can bring you back over there because you are steadfast in the Lord. Because the old you died that day when you accepted Jesus. And yeah, I know we still get caught up in the past, but like we talked about last week, what good does it do you? to beat a dead horse and when satan tries to beat the dead horse and remind you of it just remind him of who your father is remind him of the simple fact that you don't play on that old team anymore but you're on a new team with new rules so the confidence that we talk about today the confidence that we're digging into is the confidence that says i know i may have been a drug addict But it's not by my power that I'm going to overcome this, but it's by Christ Jesus's power that's going to get me through this. I may have had a porn addiction and I I never thought I'd get past it. But because of Christ Jesus, not me, but because of my Lord, I can get through it. I have confidence in him to see me to the other side because I'm not brave enough to go, but I'm just crazy enough to trust God. The same God that died on a cross for me before I was even a thought, before even generations of my family had come into being, he was thinking about you. He was thinking about me. So the confidence I have 
isn't in some person who I met on the street, but no, it is in God everlasting, the only wise God, the God who said, if I don't save them, then no one can. So he rejected every part of his divinity and came down in a body like yours and mine where he ached in pain, where he hungered and thirsted, where he was tired and fatigued, where he was in such anguish because of what was about to happen that he sweat drops of blood. That's the God I have confidence in. Confidence in knowing that if I need something and I ask him, well, guess what? It's done. Because the question I have for all of us tonight is, do you finally believe? And we're going to get there But do you finally believe that the God you serve, your father, Abba, God Almighty, do you finally believe that if you have confidence in him, he'll get you through it all? Do you finally believe that if you're struggling on the job, you don't have to lean to your own understanding or abilities, but that you can tap in to our father, who is the almighty, omniscient, omnipotent and omnipresent God who's all-knowing, all-powerful and everywhere at once? Do you finally believe that if you would just give the past to him, then it wouldn't bother you anymore because guess what? It's a dead horse. But God can take that death just like he took the death with each and every one of us believers and formed life. Do you have confidence? Do you finally believe that you can truly be free in Christ Jesus, because what does the Bible say? If anyone is in Christ, then the old life is gone and behold, the new life has begun. So when the sun sets you free, you are truly free indeed. So now we go to uh, John chapter 16, verses 25 through 33, and Hebrews chapter 13, verse 6. And the Bible says, I have spoken of these matters and figures of speech, but soon I will stop speaking figuratively and will tell you plainly all about the father. Then you will ask in my name. I'm not saying I will ask the father on your behalf for the father himself loves you dearly because you love me and believe that I came from God. Yes, I came from the Father into the world, and now I will leave the world and return to the Father. Then the disciples said, at last, you are speaking plainly and not figuratively. Now we understand that you know everything, and there's no need to question you. From this, we believe that you came from God. Jesus asked, do you finally believe? But the time is coming. Indeed, it's here now. When you will be scattered, each one going his own way, leaving me alone. Yet I am not alone because the Father is with me. I have told you these things so that in me, not in the world, not in your job, not in the church house, not in mama, not in daddy, not in any of these false gods who just have adjacent names for Satan, but in Jesus alone, you may have peace, but not just any old peace, perfect peace. In the world, you have tribulation and distressed and suffering, but be courageous or take hope or fear not. Be confident, be undaunted, be filled with joy. I have overcome the world. My conquest is accomplished, my victory abiding. And in Hebrews 13, 6, the Bible says, so we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will fear not. What can man do to me? I love when Jesus talks to us because of his all tense for past, for present, for future events, for saints then, for saints now and for saints to come. His word stands permanently throughout the test of time because it exists outside the confines of time. What God says, it's going to happen. And whenever he says a thing, it's not set in stone that can crumble, but it is set in the eternal, everlasting perfection of his will. So Jesus says that there comes a point in time where he will no longer speak in parables. He'll no longer have riddles out there for those who are thirsty 
not 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 of the the fleshly body, but for those who thirst after the spirit, for those who truly want something of substance out of life. And I'm not talking about waking up every morning and going to a nine to five, make a little money, live a little, quote unquote, and then one day die. No, I'm talking about living a a real life by being born again, by becoming everything God has envisioned and set you apart to be from before the foundations of the world were laid. I'm talking about having a confidence in the only wise God, knowing that no matter where you go, he'll be with you just as the father was with him. That no matter what you do, he'll be with you because he said he'd never leave you nor forsake you. That no matter what you do, you always have resources because all the earth and all that there is and the inhabitants of it belong to the Lord. So when you have a need, you ask your father because now you are a joint heir to the throne of Christ Jesus who has been given each and everything in existence. That when he died on the cross on the third day, well, when he died, I'm skipping ahead, excuse me, that when he died and rose on the third day, that when he got up, he got up with all the power of death in the grave in his hand and all things were returned to subjugation unto him. Meaning that when you pray, as Jesus said, he's not going to ask the father for you because if you love Jesus, then the father loves you. So Jesus is fulfilling his role as the door. The doorway is now open where there used to be a solid wall and now you can walk in. And when you walk in through the door, guess what? You have direct access to the throne of grace and mercy. And on the way to the throne of grace and mercy, there's the straight and narrow. Well, Jesus is the way that along the way you will find truth. Well, Jesus is the way and the truth along the way while you have the truth you'll find life. Well, guess what? He is the way, the truth, and the life. Not to mention you won't be walking down a dark corridor. Why? Because he is the light of this world. So when you abandon the fertility of thinking that something in this world will give you meaning, will fill you with substance, will allow you to live your quote-unquote best life, don't even worry about that. What's the name of our lesson? CC, confidence in Christ, which means God is sending us his son. He has sent his son and is now dispersing the Holy Spirit into each and every one of us so that we can be his carbon copy. Meaning that each and every day, though we may miss the mark, the glorious standard that God has set before us, we have something to chase after. And that our big brother, our Lord and Savior, Jesus himself, who has already walked the walk in its entirety, has given us a pathway to go down, is showing us the way as we walk it, who answers every single question, who feeds us, who clothes us, who gives us drink, who gives us rest, peace, grace, mercy, all that you can think of that you could ever need. It's on the pathway called Jesus. So if you would just dare to trust in the one who got you out of the gutter, who helped you kick the drug addiction, who brought you from the brink of of depravity because you were homeless, who took you away from all the, the sex, the drugs, and anything else that was plaguing you, who brought you out of depression or a fit of anger or whatever else you were dealing with. If you have confidence in him, then I guarantee you as a living witness that your life will forever be changed that my confidence in my abilities is no longer there, but that my confidence lies solely with Jesus, that if not for him, I wouldn't be here today sharing this message with you. So my confidence isn't placed haphazardly, but it is placed in the one who I tasted and saw how good he was and who I continually to try by his word to watch him not only keep it, but to perform it. First John chapter four verses 11 through 19. The Bible says, Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God at any time. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love has been perfected in us. By this, we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us 
of his spirit. And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent the Son as Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. And we have known and believed the love that God has for us. God is love. And he who abides in love abides in God and God in him. And as we live in God, our love grows more perfect. So we will not be afraid on the day of judgment, but we can face him with confidence because we live like Jesus here in this world. Such love has no fear because perfect love expels all fear. If we are afraid, it is for fear of punishment. And this shows that we have not fully experienced his perfect love. We love each other because he loved us first. I love the Lord so much especially when we read passages like this, because it just further reiterates how truly insane it is for one such as perfect and holy as God is to love us who mess up every single second of every single day. In the midst of doing something right, we could be messing up because of our thoughts. And yeah, it's kind of deterring because it's like, well, why even serve if I can't get it right? Well, Allow me to help you out there. The whole purpose of serving God isn't because he wanted a fleet of perfect robots. The whole purpose of serving God is because he wanted to show what real love looks like. It doesn't demand its own way. It doesn't hold grudges. It isn't looking to to make the point. It isn't looking for some selfish satisfaction or gratification. True love who is God himself, is only looking to make you better. Not, not to, to push you toward some crazy nonsensical goal, to use you like a puppet, but to help make you better. To help you realize that the depravity of this world is, is only just a drop of poison, but that the everlasting love of God is a permanent wellspring of healing waters. With God, I can't tell you how how much because we'd be here all year and probably longer if I told you every little detail about what God has done for me personally in my life and the lives of loved ones and in so many different aspects. But we're here talking about confidence. And I've already shared with you for a, a good portion of, of what God has done for me. Well, y'all know my story because I'm very vocal about it. If it'll help somebody, then I'll share it all day. When I was dealing with low self-esteem, when I was dealing with a pornography addiction, when I was dealing with idolatry in the form of people trying to fulfill some hole that I had inside, when I was doing that to, to cope with abandonment issues and a plethora of, of other problems that I was facing, nothing worked. And so it made me very fragile and docile and made me not want to do anything because of the fear that I could never overcome or accomplish anything. That no matter how many times loved ones would re-edify me and my abilities, that it, it just didn't matter. But then I, one day for real, I took it seriously, my relationship with the Lord. And I experienced this perfected love that each and every day it becomes more and more perfect because the flaws that are there are slowly being diminished and chipped away so that God can, can just have his reign in my life. And so this perfected love showed me that I don't have to worry about the past because I'm not my mistakes. I'm not my sins. I'm who God has called me to be. So my confidence was taken out of the world. It was taken out of self because self wanted to hurt me. But then it was placed in God who showed me each and every step of the way and continues to show me to this day that if I would just trust in him and lean not to my own understanding, then he would take me the whole 110 percent of the way. Because all you have to do in this relationship with the Lord is two things, dare to trust him and to be available If you dare to trust God and make yourself available, 
then watch what happens. Because as we just read in 1 John chapter 4, we know and we're capable of loving each other because God loved us first. That in this perfected love, there is no fear because we know the outcome. Judgment day is coming, the great and terrible day of the Lord. And it may sound like an oxymoron, but it's a great day for the saints because we've done the work. We've trusted God. We've been made available and allowed him to, to use us to get his will done. And so in doing so, I have a confident hope that when the Lord opens up my book, that the Lamb's book of life too shall open. And then my lawyer, who will be right there with me, whose name is Jesus, will just roll down his sleeves and show those nailed, scarred wounds and say, Father, this one is mine. So the case is closed because of double jeopardy. You can't try him twice for the same sins. And the prosecution, whose name is Satan, will just be dismayed and in awe because it's like, well, that's not fair. Well, guess what? Because of God and his perfect will, we don't have to play by the enemy's rules. If I need to, to get a leg up in life, I don't need to hurt somebody. I don't need to, to betray people. I don't need to break trust and burn bridges. All I need to do is humble myself before the Lord, and he will make my name great among men. And the same for you. So I have confidence in this perfect love. Have confidence in the fact that no matter how many mistakes you make in life, not how many times you willingly go do the wrong thing, but no matter how many mistakes you make in life, perfect love will always say, I forgive you. I'll wipe the slate every single time because your slate is permanently clean in my book if you've accepted my son, because that means you've accepted me. You've accepted the light. You've accepted the way, the truth, and the life. You've accepted God himself when you accept Jesus. So go ahead. And when you're feeling bad about something you did, ask God for forgiveness. Forgive those who've done you wrong and have confidence in knowing that you can get better because you're with the only one who can get you there. So now we take a look at Mark chapter 11, verses 22 through 26. And this one is so cool. So, so cool. I'm going to put it on the screen. Then Jesus said to his disciples, have faith in God. I tell you the truth. You can say to this mountain, may you be lifted up and thrown into the sea and it will happen. But you must really believe it will happen and have no doubt in your heart. I tell you, you can pray for anything, and if you believe that you've received it, it will be yours. And whatever you stand praying, and whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him or forgive them, that your Father in heaven may also forgive you your trespasses. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father in heaven forgive you your trespasses. Now, I thank God for putting this in here because one of the biggest delays of blessings, of resources, or of anything is normally self. We are our biggest enemies. We have a, a great tendency as a race of people called humans to shoot ourselves in the feet. And we wonder why we can't get anywhere. Well, here's a pro tip as a Christian who's been on this journey for a while. If you want to stop hurting yourself, if you want to stop shooting yourself in the foot, if you want to stop beating that dead horse so that it becomes less and less frequent until you almost hardly ever do it, here's how you do it. If you say you love God and your life has evidence of it because of the changes, because of the faith walk and because of you emulating Christ Jesus, here's what you do. Have confidence, and please listen to me well. Have confident trust and hope in God that as Jesus just said, if you pray for a thing and believe it will happen without a shadow of a doubt in your heart, then it's going to happen. The day I stopped idolizing people, especially in relationships, was the day that I realized that if I wanted that, that gaping hole in my soul to be filled, then I just needed to trust God for real. 
So I prayed and I said, Lord, I've had enough. I'm tired and I don't want to be tired anymore. I need you. And God, in doing so, I just ask that you would feel me. And I know that if you feel me, I'll be okay. And what happened? Without doubt in my mind, because I had gotten to the breaking point to where now it was just like, Lord, it's you or it's nothing. Well, God steps in every single time. Why? Because with man, it's impossible. But with God, all things are possible. So God did what he does best. And he showed me that his grace is sufficient, that his strength is made perfect in my weaknesses. And so just like Paul, I boast about all the times I've been pathetically weak. I've been all too human. I've been a hot mess because as a hot mess, God can show how beautiful of a sculpture he is by turning this piece of dirt into an earthen treasure and showing just how amazing the splendor of his magnificence is. So like Jesus says, if we would just believe, then we could have it. But we also need to forgive people. If God has forgiven you permanently and we wrong him every single day, I don't care if you're saved or not saved. We wrong God every day. Do it every day. If he can forgive us and literally all of life has betrayed him, then why can't we forgive one another? They stole something from you. So what? It. it Every your whole house could catch on fire then what are you going to be mad at the fire you you got into a fight with someone you love forgive them we're human the bible literally tells us that as much as we can to be at peace with one another well if we want to be at peace then we need god because only inside of him is perfect peace the point is my brothers and sisters and we'll move on to the end and probably the dopest part of this lesson is that as long as we have confidence in Jesus, as long as we have confidence in him and his ability to literally flip over one of the, the greatest upsets in history by turning the, the attack on life from a 3-0 lead to a 4-0 victory, Jesus literally wiped the slate clean and won unanimously as if Satan hadn't put up any points on the board. It's that when we have confidence in Jesus, literally, and I know I've used it a lot, but just listen to me. We can do all things through him. You can overcome anything. You can get over the past, over that spouse, over that person who broke your heart, over that job that you loved so much, but you were kind of idolizing it. So God took it from you so that you could be worked on and then you could be elevated to something 20 billion times better that when you didn't have money for the bills God paid the bills God waived them God gave you money God did something he made a way out of no way literally God math he took that unmerited favor that we don't deserve and made the numbers add up because your debt has been paid by the blood of Jesus as long as your confidence is in Christ our risen king then you can do all things, literally. Again, I know I'm saying it, but literally. That's what God is here for, to show us a better way. And not only a better way, but the way, because he's the only way. And so we wrap up with Revelation chapter 20. It's a very short chapter. <clears throat> there are only 15 verses. But to, to really show you why we have confidence in the Lord, those of us who have been with him for a while, allow me to share it with you. The Bible says, then I saw an angel coming down from heaven <clears throat> with the key to the bottomless pit and a heavy chain in his hand. He seized the dragon, that old serpent who is the devil, Satan, and bound him in chains for a thousand years. The angel threw him into the bottomless pit which he then shut and locked so Satan could not deceive the nations anymore until the thousand years were finished. Afterward, he must be released for a little while. Then I saw thrones, and the people sitting on them uh, had been given the authority to judge, and I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded for their testimony about Jesus and for, prophesy and pro and for proclaiming excuse me, the word of God. 
They had not worshipped the beast or his statue, nor accepted his mark on their foreheads or their hands. They all came to life again, and they re and they reigned with Christ for a thousand years. This is the first resurrection. The rest of the dead did not come back to life <clears throat> until the thousand years had ended. Blessed and holy are those who share in the first resurrection. For them, the second death holds no power, but they will be priests of God and of Christ and will reign with him a thousand years. When the thousand years come to an end, Satan will be let out of his prison. He will go out to deceive the nations called Gog and Magog in every corner of the earth. He will gather them together for battle, a mighty army as numberless as sand along the seashore. And I saw them as they went up on the, the broad plain of the earth and surrounded God's people and the beloved city. But fire from heaven came down on the attacking armies and consumed them. The devil who deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone, where the beast and the false prophet are, and they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. And I saw a great white throne and the one sitting on it. The earth and the sky fled from his presence, but they found no place to hide. I saw the dead, both great and small, standing before God's throne. And the books were opened, including the book of life. And the dead were judged according to what they had done, as recorded in the books. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them. And they were judged, every man according to their works. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Now, if you've been with us, if you've heard anything in a church about hell, you know it's bad. You know you don't want to go there. And most certainly, God forbid you... you skip out on your opportunity to to get to know jesus for yourself greatest thing that ever happened to me and anyone else who knows the lord then there's a whole second death i mean you're already dead because you don't you're you don't know jesus so you're not really alive you're just here waiting to be burned like jesus said it's it's chaff or chafe which is just withered tree branches thrown into a pile waiting to be burned because they're just they're useless but here's the cool part. Revelation 20 tells us the end. Our enemy, our greatest adversary, the devil himself, he's lost. He gets chained up and the millennial reign happens and God is here giving everyone a last chance. It's like last call. Last call. You can't say anything stopped you because nothing was there to influence you if you don't accept Jesus. It's just you. You're just you're evil. And I know some people like to think that people aren't evil, but we, we suck. I'll be honest with you. We're not great. But God is because greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. And then we look forward after Satan's released and he goes to deceive the last batch of people. What happens before he can even strike? God unleashes fire from heaven and throws him to the, into the lake of fire and brimstone. And when people try to run and flee, just like Jesus said, they'll wish mountains would jump on top of them and cover them up. But nothing can hide from God. But those of us who have confidence in Christ to see us through, we're fine. Because when the books open, Jesus will close it right back because we have that bloodstained banner protecting us, saying this one was ours. They loved me so much. And I brought them to you, and then you made our home inside of them, so they're good to go. And death itself, death, the thing we fear, gets thrown in there. Hell itself, the place for the captives who decided that Jesus wasn't worth a few minutes of their time. The holding cell is thrown into the lake of fire because God is just that amazing. So my point is, brothers and sisters, for tonight, is that our confidence shouldn't be placed in anything that we can create, but it should be placed inside of the creator himself and in him alone, because inside of Jesus, you can overcome. 
Inside of Jesus, you can actually love. Inside of Jesus, it is perfectly fine to cry because he's going to wipe every single tear away. Inside of God is love itself. And as we read, if you love God, then God abides inside of you. And abiding isn't just living in something. It is the proactive use of all the resources that come with it. So have confidence in Christ today because it's only inside of him that you will ever get anywhere in life. Heavenly Father, we come before you in prayer just saying thank you, Lord. We thank you so much for the confident faith that we have inside of you, Lord. The blessed assurance, knowing that no matter what goes wrong in this life, it's that we have eternal life inside of you, Jesus. That no matter what the the dead horse called past, that the enemy may be trying to bring back to us, that he may try to resurface some old feelings or some bad wounds. It's that we have eternal joy, eternal peace, eternal strength inside of you, O God. And most importantly, we have love, which covers a multitude of sins, which forgives all the faults. Because love isn't here demanding some selfish satisfaction, but that it's here to help us overcome. It's here to get us through. It's there to hold us down. And it's there to see us through all the way. So, Father, we thank you that we can have this confidence in you. Because I think I can speak for every man, woman, boy, and girl who will ever live that this life hurts us so badly. But I thank you so much that when we're tired and weary, that all we have to do is come to you. And once we arrive at your doorstep, Jesus, you will make us permanent residents, not slaves in the house to work, but that we will be adopted and grafted into the family thanks to redeination. And we will now be born into the family so that we can be lifelong residents, enjoying all the amenities that you have to offer. So I thank you that I can have confidence in a God who's just here to love me and here to show me how to do it right. So, Lord, I pray that if there's anyone who listens to this message that doesn't know you, that they would just give you the time of day and make the greatest decision that they'll ever make, because it is only work that's done for you, Christ Jesus, that will last and actually matters. So, Father, Give somebody's life a purpose because you know the plans that you have for all of us, that they are plans for good and not for evil, plans to prosper us, to give us a hope and a future. And I thank you so much that you are our new beginning and that you're our future and that you're our home and that you're our everything. Father God, have mercy on all of our souls. And for those of us who belong to the family, I just ask that you would constantly remind us that if we truly trust and believe in you, then we can do all things because it's not us that do it, but it's you who perform the greater works. So we just want to say that we love you and we thank you and we'll be sure to give your name all the praise, all the honor and all the glory, which you so rightly deserve. It's these things we thank you for in Jesus mighty name. Amen and amen. Hey, family. I pray the lesson has blessed you in some way, shape, form, or fashion today. Each week, we hold Bible study on Zoom, and it would be wonderful to share this experience with you. If something was said that resonated with you and you aren't a part of the family, I would like to open the invitation to join. I pray that the Lord blesses you in all of your endeavors and that you chase after the prize, which is Jesus. See you next week, God willing and be blessed.